Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, July 28th. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, we talk Big 12 and its future. The league and all of college sports was stunned last week by the news that Texas and Oklahoma had asked to join the SEC. The schools made their invitation request official on Tuesday. We don't know exactly when Texas and OU will join the new conference, but we know it's happening. What becomes of the remaining Big 12 schools? On today's show, we talk to Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star, and Wichita Eagle, Andrew Davison. He covers TCU for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We break, we break down the situation, discuss best options for the remaining eight schools, and take a guess at how the college landscape may shape up in the years to come. Let's get started talking Big 12 and college sports. Kellis Robinette from the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star has joined us along with Drew Davison from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And Kellis covers K-State, Drew covers TCU. If you didn't know, those teams are in the Big 12. And guys, we think there's going to be a Big 12 uh, next this, this season, right? I mean, this season's safe. We're, we are going to have a Big 12 this year, right? Yes, we are, Blair. I think 2021-22 is safe. Uh, come 2022 football, I fully expect Texas and Oklahoma to be playing in SEC schedule. Uh, I, I just see no way that they're going to play out the media rights. I mean, just think about from a recruiting perspective, you can't go sell a recruit. Oh, your first two years of college, you're going to play the Big 12 where every opposing fan base just hates you. Uh, and then, you know, you'll finish shock and college career in the SEC. So um, I, I think both schools eventually will pony up or the Big 12 is going to uh, be non-existent, you know, by that time with with different schools trying to find life rafts or whatnot. But uh, but yeah, for at least one more year, I think the Big 12 safe. I, I think we got uh, more years than that of the Big 12. I don't know what the Big 12 will look like after 2022 or 2023. I definitely dif- disagree with Jamie Pollard at Iowa State, who posted a uh, video yesterday who said that it was going to be there at the 2025 when Oklahoma and Texas would be in the league no matter what that long. I'm with Drew. I don't see that happening. There's just way too much uncertainty. Nobody wants to be lame duck team in a conference for four whole years. I think really it's just the the two big questions are when are those teams leaving and how much money are they going to have to pay to get out? And I guess the third question is what are the eight remaining big 12 teams going to do with that money when they get it? Well, we're going to attack all of those questions on this show. My, my pie in the sky dream was for Texas and Oklahoma to stick to the statement that, it made those guys made today. Today is Tuesday, uh, which was their official, basically, uh, request for admission to the SEC, saying that uh, on on July first, twenty twenty five, they want to be admitted into the SEC. So I'm thinking, well, that's four more years. And Drew, you're absolutely right. You can't recruit to that. That would make it ridiculous in recruiting. But if there was some way to, uh, you know. Delay the entry of Texas and Oklahoma until the grant of rights expires. College sports would have more time than the next couple of months to, I don't know, to rethink or reimagine the landscape. And uh, you know, are, 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 right now all we're doing is talking about uh, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, even the ACC. What what could go on with those conferences? 
those leagues don't want to have to make decisions in the next couple of weeks. I, I think if they had time to study it, to maybe look at what a uh, a super conference landscape could be, then um, then then it, it, we can take more time to to settle this. But that's never how uh, realignment has worked before. It's always been a rush job. It was in 2010 when Colorado and Nebraska left the Big 12, and it was a year later when Missouri and Texas M left the left the Big 12. And in all four of those cases, uh, they were out uh, within a year uh, uh, of of the announcement. So they they played the final year in the league, and then they went off to their new conferences. So that's what happens in realignment. Um, so. Let's let's look at uh, this from uh, the remaining school's standpoint, and I'll ask you guys who you think because I get this I, I get asked this all the time. Uh, let's talk about options for the remaining eight and what most likely scenarios. Kellis, I'll start with you. I, I, you know, you cover Kansas State. I, I don't I don't know what their most likely scenario is. But to me, their best scenario is the Big 12 staying together in some form or fashion. Yeah, I agree. If, if, you're, a Wildcat, if you're a Wildcats fan right now, um, I don't see a whole lot of uh, hope for them going rogue and saying, you know what, we're going to find a life, life raft to the Big 10, the, uh, the Pac-12, or the ACC. I mean, anything's possible, I suppose, but I don't know that Kansas State has enough standalone value um, in the world of conference alignment to go do that. I think their best hope is for all eight teams to stick together, unite and say, you know what, with Texas and Oklahoma gone, we can take their exit fees, which could be as much as $160 million. It's a nice chunk of change. Use that um, to prepare for any, any kind of debts we might run into. Maybe use it to entice some other new schools to come in. If you do that, I mean, the, we've seen the Big Eight work before with some other teams. Um, I'll call the remaining eight the Big Eight for these purposes. I like you take, it. You, you take the Big yeah. Eight, you add the four best teams available to get back to 12. And I don't know who those are. Maybe it's Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, Central Florida. You can maybe say Memphis. Any of those teams like that. I know some have suggested maybe you, you bring in one of the Arizona schools, tell Colorado to come back. I don't know how realistic that is, but I do think it's possible that if all eight schools stuck together, they they could poach the best team for the Mountain West, the AAC, and still be a pretty viable league. They wouldn't be what they are now. They wouldn't make $40 million in TV revenue, but they make enough to be competitive. They'd be a very, very strong basketball conference with KU, Baylor, um, and the other teams are bringing in. Houston was in the Final Four last year. It'd be a great basketball conference. They'd play fun football. Whoever wins the thing would get an automatic bid into the, the expanded playoff. Uh, and, you know, we've seen Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, they've all, Kansas State, they've all fielded teams capable of winning games in the playoff and making some noise there. So if, if they can, if they can unite and have, you know, have it where not everybody's out looking for themselves, I think there is a viable path forward. And for a school like Kansas State, I think that's their best path. Maybe there is one or two teams not named Kansas State that has better options. For K State, I think that's what they're hoping for. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. You know, like K State, KU, Iowa State. You know, there, there's something special about you know the basketball tournament in Kansas City. It'd be great to keep that intact, especially for those fan bases. Uh, you know, just essentially being in the backyard, so to speak. And then if you look at TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, you got the 
football championship right here in AT&T Stadium, home of the Cowboys. Um, so th- there is some appeal to trying to make the Big 12 stay together, especially for a school like TCU or K-State where, you know, you really could be on the outside looking in. But I think the harsh reality is if the ACC – Extends an invite to West Virginia or Kansas, they're gone. If the Big Ten makes a, you know, hands something to KU or Iowa State or whoever, they're gone. You know, the Pac-12, if Texas Tech has the landing spot there, they're gone. So, I, you know, as much as you'd like to think that eight would band together, uh, I, I just don't see it as being too realistic. But I think for the near term, and kind of like you said, Blair, maybe you kind of run out in Big 12 as long as you can. And, and kind of see where the college landscape is in three or four years. I think that would be beneficial to some other leagues as well as the eight remaining schools. Well, you both um, have commissioner futures. Uh, <laughs> you, you both good ideas. Um, look, I, you bring up some good points. Let's start with uh, Kellis. The, I, I like the schools that you named as possible additions to a Big 12 I have long advocated Houston as a Big 12 member. I think it was uh, mostly Texas that kept Houston out of the conference. It was about five years ago when expansion was last on the table when the Big 12 explored it. I think with Texas and Texas A&M and the SEC, if the Big 12 remains intact, that the conference should plant a flag in downtown Houston and say, you know, the, the, the urban school is ours. And if you want to play in a, you know, if you want to play in a, in a solid conference and play in, in the state of Texas, you can come to the University of Houston. You don't have to go to A&M or UT. So I think that was that would be target number one for the Big 12. I also like Cincinnati, assuming if West Virginia stays in, Cincinnati gives West Virginia a, you know, a, a team that's, that's you know, something of a travel partner. BYU has always been a curious program. It's I, I think Texas is also the one that kept BYU out of the discussions over the years. And Central Florida, of course, was a uh, an attractive school to um to the Big 12 in terms of the expansion talks a few years ago. But again, that never uh, you know I, I can remember being in a press conference in Dallas with David Bourne, the the Oklahoma president, uh, basically putting the kibosh on expansion said they explored it nobody's going to bring additional value we'd have to cut the pie you know two more slices or whatever it would be at the time and it just wasn't going to make sense for them but uh but if the big 12 stayed together it certainly would make sense and and drew the um the the idea of you know this hits home for for people in kansas city the basketball tournament that's a that's a big thing here. It's an important uh, annual event. I know in Texas, you know, Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl is is a major event, and I've I've covered a lot of those. And I've told people there that um, as important as that game is to Dallas, the Big Twelve basketball tournament is equally important in Kansas City and to Kansas mm-hmm. City. So I, I think that you know, it, whatever it takes to preserve that should uh, you know should be strongly considered as as teams go forward. Having said all that, and having you know filibuster here, I'll, I'll I'll let you guys chime in here. But there's no doubt that if the if the Big Ten came to Kansas and or Iowa State, or if the Pac-12 came to Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, that they would and should accept an invitation to those leagues. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I, I don't know how you can't if, you know, stability and, and whatnot. You know, the, the big thing to me is I do kind of like the like me personally as a fan, I think if you add Houston, Memphis, Cincy, that's a pretty you strengthen your basketball league. Uh you, you like we said, we you keep the Big Twelve tournament, but you know, if one of those bigger conferences comes calling, I, I don't know how you stay back. And yeah, you know, we'll take the, you know, go from 37, 40 million payout to 20 million. Oh, well, the Big 12 is going to pay us 50 plus million or the Big 10, excuse me. So, I, you know, I, I think any of those schools will. The Pac-12 to me is kind of, you know, as much as the Big 12 wants to merge with them and, and maybe have some sort of scheduling alliance, I you know, they're not. I think the remaining eight Big 12 schools and, and some of the schools we've mentioned would give the Pac-12 a run for the money as the fourth best football league in the country some years. I mean, uh, the Pac-12 has kind of struggled, and and there's some questions about what their TV package is going to look like uh, in a few years. So I think their conference has to expand. So it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, any of those schools, if one of the four uh, power fives offers them, they're gone. I think definitely Big Ten. I don't know how you would turn that down. Um, ACC, I don't know how you would turn that down. SEC, you definitely wouldn't turn that down. I think there's maybe some doubt on the Pac-12. I think probably still any team that would get such an offer would leave, but it's not necessarily a slam dunk for me. We don't know what they're going to look like soon. Um, but it, I mean, it is debatable though. That they have USC, they have Washington, they have Oregon, but even even none of those teams were really on the level of USC and Texas. So there's kind of an interesting, you know, poll there. Just like Drew said, I think the most years the Big Eight could could be just as competitive with the Pac-12 as vice versa. Um, it would really come down to money in that scenario. I think this is kind of where Blair's point comes in. If uh, people would you know, give this a year or two to shake out and then make a decision. I think what people would do would be a lot different than next week. If you know what I mean, because right now everybody's just panicking. Uh, if you're a fan of a big eight school right now, you just want to know where you're going to be. Right. Um, it doesn't matter. If it's going to be Pac-12. Fine. Let's make it happen now. Um, I just don't want to be left out in the cold. So I think that'll be interesting too. If any offers do happen, um, when did they come? And that could uh, entice things. But I guess I guess all we know is right now it seems like every team has reached out to the big tw- uh, to the Pac-12 to see about it. So they're interested. You know that much? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and let me make one other quick point. So Blair kind of talked. You know, I think it was 2016 where they interviewed all those teams: the Cincy's, the UCF's, the Memphis, the Houston's. They didn't expand then. And obviously a lot of schools are turning up their nose because they feel like the media package would not even come close to what they're getting now by adding group of five schools. But if you go back five years ago, if you would have added Cincy and UCF, let's say both programs would finish in the top 10 in football, they would have kind of blossomed into stars homegrown by the big 12, kind of like what TCU has been able to do, right. Becoming a, a nationally relevant football program once they got the shot in the power five. So uh, I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world if you go, if you have to, if there's no power five schools that are coming, that you go add and cherry pick kind of the top of the group of five and, and see what they can become. And, and maybe a Houston 
really flourishes or a BYU under the Big 12 umbrella, and then you become more attracted. So um, I just sit here now, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. but, you know, if UCF and Cincy are in the league and have had five years and have been top 25 teams and relevant, maybe have a New Year's Six bid, uh, it, it may be not looking as bleak as it does. You know, there have been some other ideas floated out there in the last week or so. One has the Big Ten expanding, not not to include Big 12 schools, but maybe the the upper echelon of the Pac-12 and uh, making it a kind of a Rose Bowl conference with um, that, making that the first maybe 18 or 20 team league. I've, I've seen that. Also, uh, some sort of a merger or not merger, but agreement between the SEC and the ACC. and uh, so there's all kinds of discussion out there now. Again, I, I just think there's uh, there should let's take time because what's happening in college sports right now? We're we're at the we're in the first year of name, image, and likeness. We're two years away probably from 12 team college football playoff. We're at this juncture of so much change already in college football. It took two years for four guys to come up with the 12 team college playoff. The NIL has been a discussion for. For many years, and let's just take a little bit of time and figure out what's going to happen with uh, with conference membership. So, with that, let's take a break. And when we come back, I've got a couple other topics related to realignment that I want to talk to you guys about. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back with Kellis Robinette and Drew Davison, and we're talking about realignment in the college sports landscape. And guys, I think we covered a lot of the the possibilities for conference membership for the Big 12 and um, and what might happen with super conferences. I wanted to I wanted to take this conversation to a point where uh, sort of a the daily business of college sports and of course it's it's all about recruiting in every college sport. So let's just say the Big 12 uh, remains intact and they either stays at eight or adds a couple of members to 10. They lose their 37 to $40 million annually from TV. That gets cut in half. So it's diminished in in sort of in, in a brand way. They're, they're diminished. Does that change? Does that change the recruiting landscape? We'll, we'll just call it for foot. We'll just say for football. Um, and and the, the reason I bring this up is if TCU wasn't already getting a player, already beating uh, an SEC school or Texas or Oklahoma for a guy, does conference membership affect that or would, would have an impact on that? What do you think, Drew? Yeah, I absolutely think it does. And, and I think TCU would have to work that much harder, right, to find the hidden gems and whatnot. And, and I think the biggest issue for TCU in the state of Texas is now the SEC was already kind of open with Houston and or A&M kind of opening up the Houston market. But now that Texas and OU are are in the SEC, I think the floodgates are open. And, and I think, you know, Tennessee will walk into tech, the state of Texas and feel they can get a guy 
uh, just as much as an A&M or a Texas. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But yeah, I think it makes it that much harder for TCU. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, TCU needs to, they've always kind of prided themselves on finding those hidden gems and, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, kind of flourished in the Mountain West and the Jerry Hughes played uh, in the Mountain West when they won the Rose Bowl in 2010. So I, I think, you know, it's not doom and gloom, but it is going to be a lot harder to get those type of players because, you know, everyone, especially if you look at the NFL draft numbers, the SEC is kind of the place to be, so to speak, uh, if, if you want to go pro and, and make it. But Obviously, other conferences and leagues produce uh, big-time players, too. And and so uh, it's not the end of the world, but it certainly makes an uphill battle even that much uh, tougher for a, for a school like TCU or Baylor or uh, Texas Tech, even. Leaving out LaDamian Tomlinson there, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was trying to go a little bit more recent. But, yeah, LT was from Waco. And, and uh, I, actually, I think he joined when they were in the Conference USA. So. Uh, he truly flew under the radar. So, you know, that's just another uh, uh, miss, so to speak, by some of the powers in Texas uh, letting him land at TCU. I just, here's what here's where I come down on this. There are. What is it? A hundred somewhere between 125 and 130 FBS programs, right? Division one programs. I don't know that the number changes mm-hmm. every year. That one or two get added every year. And every program has the name, same number of scholarships. So given that equation, there are the same number of recruits for the same number of schools every year. Why would conference affiliation change the, the, the math on this? So if you get what I'm saying, if um, – you know, Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and Florida and Georgia, you know, can't get everybody. Um, There's still going to be, you know, there's still going to be players that Kansas State and Iowa State and TCU will be in the market for that um, that aren't going to uh, those, you know, the the, the super rich of, of college football. And if I'm a college football assistant coach and I'm on the recruiting trail, I, I think if I'm especially if I'm in a market like Fort Worth, I can sell name, image, and likeness to a recruit there. And, you know, there's all kinds of business opportunities for, for that recruit. So maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not thinking about it right, but it's just, um, I, I'll be curious to see if in a dimin- we haven't had this uh, happen in, in college sports in a way that it, it could happen where programs like, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, which for their the entirety of their existence, 120 years or so, have always been in the the top level of competition. And uh, and starting in a year or four years, they might not be there. And what happens to them in a you know from a brand, brand standpoint to a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty there, um, and I'm not really sure what the answer is in regards to at least K-State recruiting, I don't know that it will have the greatest effect here just because they, I can't really give you a name of somebody that they beat when they're going head-to-head with Texas or OU or OU when they're in the same conference. So I don't know that that'll make a huge difference. Um, they have occasionally. Jake Rubley was a four-star quarterback who had offers from LSU and some other big places. They landed him. So it's not impossible. Um, but I'm kind of with you. I don't know that it'll have the, the largest 
impact because most of these schools are looking for, you know, guys that can develop anyway. And it's not like by moving to the SEC, Texas can now sign 50 dudes a year. That would be a heck of a uh, advantage if it was. But yeah, there's still going to be people who who want to play in Kansas, who want to play in Kansas. Um, and I, I mean, it, it could make it harder because you hear all the time when, when I ask recruits, hey, why did you choose Kansas State, especially guys from Texas? It's because I want to play in the Big 12 and I'll still get to play in Texas a lot. So I'm going to Kansas State and in the same conference. So I think if uh, if whatever whatever the Big 12 looks like or whatever conference these guys are in in a few years, if they still have access to Texas, if they're still one of the top five conferences in the country, even if it's not called Power Five, I don't know that it'll diminish recruiting all that much. But if you're going up for a guy who's legit, who legit has NFL aspirations, maybe it makes it harder. Maybe it makes it harder for K-State to keep a guy who grew up in Wichita and has offers from Tennessee and Arkansas to stay and go to K-State instead of going there. Um, but overall, I don't see a huge impact. We'll see. That's a good point, Tellus. Um, all right, let's uh, – this is all football-driven, of course. Uh, but colleges, in case you didn't know, play other sports as well, and including men's basketball. We talked about maybe the impact on uh, – conference realignment would have on the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. I wanted to run this by you guys as well. Things I think about. Um, what, what, what I've seen in college basketball historically, and but it's especially true over the last several years, is you don't have to have a power football program to be really good in basketball. And Kansas is living proof of, of it. But other schools like like Villanova, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, you can say Butler, Creighton. Now those are you know, private schools as well, and so there's a difference in the structure. We're not talking about big state universities, but you know, I'm just you know thinking, can a Kansas, Kansas State, uh, Texas Tech, uh, any school that just you know where basketball is really important? Maybe it'll be that way at TCU one day with Jamie Dixon, but. <laughs> Can, right. they live, can they live happily ever after in a, you know, in a reduced or diminished football conference, reduced brand football conference, and maintain their basketball bona fides? I think they can, mainly because you just want what you just mentioned. Uh, Gonzaga is one of the worst basketball conferences in the country, and they're amazing. Doesn't stop them. Um, uh, Creighton, no football. Villanova, no football. Uh, Baylor, most years, doesn't have good football. Uh, they just won a national championship. So there's nothing to stop you from doing it. I think it does make it harder um, just because there is more notoriety and more exposure if you're in a, a power conference that has good football. But, I mean, shoot, Duke historically doesn't have great great football. They're really good in basketball. North Carolina I mean, Mac Brown's trying to change it right now, but they typically don't have great football. I think basketball-wise, especially what I mentioned earlier, if you could add somebody like Houston, Cincinnati, and Memphis, then, oh, man, they're probably a better basketball league than they were before all this. Again, that's maybe a long shot. Maybe it isn't. We don't know what, what ends up happening. But I think basketball-wise, if those teams stick together, they'll be just fine. It's um, football, unfortunately, that's the, the bigger head-scratcher. Well, I think I think the Big 12 basketball has a pretty good reputation right now, and you know, they're always top two or three. Whatever computer rank, ranking is is applied to rating 
strength of conference uh, that, you know, I, I saw Jay Billis interviewed about this earlier this week and some other basketball. Of course, nobody cares about what basketball thinks in, in realignment, but I just think there can be, there can be happiness in, in a, in a big 12 without Texas and OU for schools where that are, I guess, a little more basketball centric. I would, as good as Iowa state football has been the last few years under Matt Campbell, I think I'd include Iowa State and just you know great historically solid basketball and Hilton Coliseum one of the great venues in in the sport. So just trying to think of all the possibilities here because we're just a week into the discussion of conference realignment and of course there are many many more questions than answers and speculation runs rampant and I'm glad we got to do it today with Kellis Robinette and Drew Davison, uh, Kellis of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. Drew the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Guys, appreciate the conversation, and we will continue to talk as this continues to be a story. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sports BKC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Kellis Robinette and Drew Davison for stopping by and talking Big 12. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes, and Kellis's stories can be found on KansasCity.com and kansas.com hey we have another deal for you you can subscribe to sports pass for 99 cents a month that's right 99 pennies a month sports pass is the online version of the star sports section you get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the star plus additional stories that appear only on the website and of course they're posted first on kansascity.com after three months it auto renews at 5.99 a month unless you cancel and it's a great time to subscribe Read about what's going on with the Chiefs at training camp, with the Royals, who are hot, 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 the colleges. We know there's a bunch going on with the Big 12 and SEC, the soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And I, I know that's a lot of dots and dashes. So if you have any trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.